Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast of Life Church in Perry, Georgia. Let's join Pastor Tim McLaughlin and go to the message. So much like the book of Job that we discussed last week, um, one of the biggest obstacles that people struggle with today when it comes to receiving their healing, all right, much like Job, a lot of people always, when something bad happens in their life, you know, and I asked this question last week, y'all separated on me again, so now I'm like, I'm, I'm doing this, but, but. You know, just like, you know, we, we always do that when something bad happens. You know, we, we make that statement. Uh, well, you know, I feel like Job, right? We, we put that. And so one of the other things that people do often that uh, is a lie of the devil and we take out of context is when things begin to happen uh, in their life, they always go to the phrase, well, this must be my thorn in the flesh. So tonight we're going to talk about what is Paul's thorn? Okay, what is Paul's thorn? There it is. It's slow, but it's there. What is Paul's thorn? So if you want to flip your Bible over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7. Actually, I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 7, so let's get over there. Um, while you're finding that, you know, a lot of people have been robbed of their healing. I said this last week about Job. Uh, I'll say it again about this. People have been robbed in their healing because they have heard something or they've read something. They've not studied it out. I, I really believe this, and, and, and please hear my heart in this, because um, I've made this statement many times, and I, th I think sometimes people get offended, and I'm not trying to offend, but I hear people make statements all the time, or I I've made this statement all the time, let me rephrase that, that, that God told me that his church was ignorant. And people get offended about that because I've, I've heard that people have gotten offended. They're like, well, you shouldn't say that. And I was talking to a couple pastors uh, over the last week or so, and, and I said, well, just out of curiosity, how many people actually carry a Bible to the church that you preach at? And they look at me and say, probably less than half, all sides. I said, how many of them do you think and, and I know a lot of them got electronic Bibles, but how many do you think actually read their Bible during the week? He said, probably less than 20%. And I said, you know, and this is the problem that we have in the Christian church. That's why the Muslim faith is growing at such a rapid rate. Christianity is on the decline, and the Muslim faith is on the incline. Now, the reality is this. They're wrong but at least they're unified and they believe it and they study it. We have the truth, we just won't seek it. And the same thing takes place when it comes to our finances, when it comes to our marriages, when it comes to anything that goes on in church, and especially when it comes to our health. Many people don't understand the truth because they don't read their Bible and study it out. So what's amazing is that the scripture, nowhere in this passage, says anywhere that Paul 
was sick. So let's read this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. Everybody's got it in your Bible. It says, It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a one was caught up into the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I do not know, God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter, of such a one I will boast. Yet of myself I will not boast except in my infirmities, for though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain lest anyone should think of me, think of me above what he seems to me to be or hears from me, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. All right? Thanks, Miss Julie, for flipping for me. I appreciate it. I saw my phone doing things up here. I was like, oh, praise the Lord. All right? It's hard to read and click at the same time. So many tradition, uh, traditional interpretations of this passage uh, conclude or people assume or people read into, and I think that's what happens a lot of times where people read into the Scripture, that God made Paul sick due to the abundance of his revelations. What, what's that mean? Paul was caught up into heaven. Paul saw things that none of us have seen, that most people have never seen. Now, I know there's been little girls that have went to heaven and saw Jesus, and little boys that went to heaven and saw Jesus and got rich making movies. And I know Jesse DePlanis supposedly died and went to heaven and saw Jesus. But, you know, the thing is, is none of their stories are exactly alike. I don't know what Paul's story was or what he saw in heaven. He didn't really talk a whole lot about that, but he says, I was caught up into heaven. Now, he uses the third person, much like John when John's writing. He says, he says that they ran to the, to the tomb, and the other disciple outran uh, Peter. You know, he was being humble, but uh, anyhow, so, so Paul's doing the same thing. He's talking in the third person. He says, whether, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, but this person was caught up into the heaven. And then he goes on and he says, he says he saw paradise. Where did Jesus tell the thief on the cross that he'd be with him that day? In paradise. So we know that Paul was caught up in the heaven and he heard things that nobody else has heard. We don't know what Paul heard in heaven. So a lot of people say, well, Paul was given this infirmity because of all the revelation of what he saw and what he heard. But nowhere in this scripture does it say that God gave Paul an infirmity. It's not in there. We, we read these things, we put them in there, but it's not in there. Several weeks ago, I gave you this phrase, and I want to make sure that I give it to you again tonight because I want you to write it down before I go any further. Write this down if you haven't already got it in your journal. It says, I agree with the word of, word of God. Sickness is not your will for my life. It is not a blessing, and it is not my teacher. I want you to get that because if you'll, I'm gonna, I keep on saying this because when it goes to Job, when it goes to Paul, when it goes to so many other things that we look at, you need to understand God is not going to inflict sickness upon anybody to teach anything, anything. God's not going to put sickness upon someone. God 
God's will is to heal, so why would God inflict sickness upon anybody? It's not true. If sickness is not the will of God, and it's not, why would God put, someone, put it on someone to teach them something or to inflict someone that he has called? He called Paul. If he wanted to inflict something upon Paul, he would have left the scales on his eyes. But yet he sent Ananias to pray for him so that the scales would fall off. If he wanted to inflict Paul with some type of sickness, it would have been very easy to do so. He's got, but that was not his will. His will was that he would walk in divine health and preach the gospel. So despite the obvious inconsistencies in the reasoning behind this passage, it has often been used to steal the faith and health of many that have read it. People say, if Paul's sickness was from God, maybe mine is as well. Instantly, what I have been teaching on, that it's not God's will for us to be sick, that he sent his word to heal, and that he has redeemed us from the curse of the law, all that would be discarded if God did inflict sickness upon Paul. Let me say this again. If it's God's will to heal, and for us not to be sick, the word says he sent his word to heal. The word says that he redeemed us from the curse. All of those things that I've been teaching, we would just have to chuck it out because none of it would be accurate if God did inflict an infirmity upon Paul that he did not do. So let's put this passage of Scripture into proper perspective so that we can understand what it's really saying so that we can dispute all of the false claims or beliefs about it and truly receive the healing that God has for us. So, while we're right here, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, let's look again at verses 2 through 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 through 4. It says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a one was caught up into the third heaven, and I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. So, Paul is speaking of himself and his experience of being caught up into the third heaven. We know Paul is referring to himself because in verse 7 he declares that he was the one given the thorn in the flesh for the abundance of his revelation. Paul would not have been given a thorn in the flesh if he was talking about someone else that had seen all these things or heard all these things, right? Everybody with me? So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 5 then goes on and says, Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast, Thank you, Mr. <clears throat> except in my infirmities. So Paul's infirmities refer not to sickness, but to a weakness, buffetings and humiliation as an apostle. Who, who was persecuted? Paul was persecuted throughout his whole ministry. Throughout all of Paul's ministry, and we're going to look at some of this tonight, Paul was persecuted, all right? So he says, uh, uh, verse 5, we got it up there because I forgot to click it. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast except in my infirmities. Paul's infirmities referred not to sickness, but to his weakness, buffetings, and humiliation as an apostle. 2 Corinthians 12, 6. 
For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. For I will speak the truth, but I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. So now the Apostle Paul's heart was not to be exalted. He wasn't full of pride due to his experience. If he was, if he was full of pride and he wanted everybody to know it, he'd say, let me just tell you, I went to heaven. I was caught up in a paradise. Let me tell you what I heard. But he doesn't. He speaks of it in the third person. So, so it's not trying to exalt himself because of his experience, but only to receive the truth that he shared and the man that he was. All right? 2 Corinthians 12, 7. I got that one. <laughs> and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. So some have tried to explain that Paul had a chronic infirmity. How many of you have heard this before in all your years in church? That God had, or that Paul rather had an infirmity, had a sickness in his eyes. How many of you have heard that? Two of you. All right. Figured there'd be a lot more. Praise the Lord. So uh, many believe that Paul was given an eye disease by God, that God refused to heal it to keep him humble for what he saw in heaven. Now, I've heard that. People have said that. I remember growing up, I was like, well, you know, that must be true. But then study out the scriptures, all right? This interpretation has destroyed the faith of multiple believers who need healing in their bodies, in their lives, healing that Jesus has already provided on the cross. If, again, if God would have inflicted Paul, that would have nullified his word, and God won't nullify his word. And if we, who believe in healing, and if we confess scriptures such as, as, as uh, 1 Peter 2.24, that by his stripes we are healed, if we confess scriptures that, that, that he has healed us from our infirmities and our sickness, if we confess all of these things that we've been teaching on, and then we turn around and we say, well, but Paul had a thorn in the flesh that was sickness, that would make us double-minded. James says, For let down a man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. How could a person believe God for healing and also believe God would inflict an infirmity or deny them receiving healing? That would not be our God. That's not how that works. So then we have to ask the question, what is the thorn in the flesh? So let's continue to look at these scriptures to find out. Let's go to Numbers. Actually, you can look up on the screen right here. Numbers chapter 33, verse 55. Numbers 33, verse 55. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your side, and, ye shall, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. So let's look at it from this standpoint. Let's be the negative. God just inflicted the whole nation of Israel with an eye disease. We believe, according to Numbers, 
400,000, is that right? Don't worry. Came out of Egypt. Maybe it's 40,000, I'm sorry. 40,000, I said 400, I just added a lot to it. Came out of Egypt, right? 40,000 men plus women and children came out of Egypt. And God's wanting them to get to the promised land. But now he just afflicted their eyes. Doesn't make sense, does it? No. So the scripture plainly tells us that the irritant in your eyes and the thorns in your sides were not diseases, they were the inhabitants of Canaan. It was not any kind of eye trouble or sickness, it was a people that God had called them to destroy. It would be hard to insert the tradition, traditional interpretations of sickness into this scenario. What the word is describing is not national sickness, but the result of not expelling the enemy. Y'all need to get that. The result, the thorn, is for not expelling the enemy. I'm going to say that a third time. The thorn is not expelling the enemy. Don't give. Yeah, we're getting it. Praise the Lord. The enemy, if you allow him to stick around, will be a constant harassment to the peace that God has promised you, just like the Canaanites were to the children of Israel. Let's look at another one. Joshua 23, 13. Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges in your sides and thorns in your eyes, thorns in your eyes, until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Is God speaking again of sickness? Man, he's thorns in your eyes. Ow. Now that sounds like torture, not God, right? God is not speaking of sickness of any kind. The scripture plainly states that it was a persistent enemy that was not driven out that became the scourge in their side and the thorns in their eye. It was the enemy that was not driven out. Look at this. Now, this is, we're talking Old Testament, but it still applies. It says, Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Why? Because he already told them he was going to do it. He already told them that it was theirs. He told Joshua as soon as he went into the land, it's wherever the, your foot steps, it's yours. They were disobedient. They didn't fulfill what they were supposed to do. God says, I've already made a way. I've already defeated them on your behalf. All you, I mean, all you got to do is walk around seven times and give a shout of praise and I'll take care of them. You don't even have to fight. And they couldn't follow those instructions. Jesus died on the cross. He said, it's finished. The Bible says that he was scourged for us to take our infirmities, to take our sickness, to take our disease. By his stripes, we are healed. He went to the cross. By his blood, we've been redeemed. He's already done it. He said it is finished. But if you're going to allow the devil to hang around your house, he says, I've already done all I'm going to do. You got the Holy Ghost. You got the power. You a victim. Hmm. 
Judges 2-3. Therefore I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their gods shall be a snare to you. Once again, the thorn in the flesh is a reference to, uh, not a reference rather, uh, to a chronic disease, but rather a persistent enemy that has not been expelled. He says, I will not drive them out. Again, let's flip over this way. He said, but you have the Holy Ghost. You take authority and drive the enemy out. You stand on the Word of God. See, we, 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 we all, man, we, we deal with this stuff. For some, it's sickness. For some, it's finances. For some, it's issues, uh, uh, substance abuse, life controlling issues. What? And the reality is this. We have the authority and we have the power to evict the enemy. Because we looked at it last week, John 10.10. 10. Who's the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy? The enemy. Not God. He said, I've come that you'd have life and have it more abundantly. So it's the enemy that afflicts sickness. And God says, I have given you everything you need to take care of the enemy. 2 Samuel 23.6 But the sons of rebellion shall all be as thorns thrust away because they cannot be taken with hands. I don't know about you. I've said this. Anybody ever made statements like this? Boy, I'd like to just punch the devil right in the nose. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. All right? I, if I could, I would. I can't. But I got the power to pray. I got the power of the word. He says, you can't take it out by hand. It happens spiritually. In every one of these examples, the thorns were people, were an enemy. They were not sickness. Pastor Greg Ware says this about a thorn in the flesh. A thorn in the flesh is like saying someone is a pain in the neck to me. You ever said that? Just a pain in my neck. Got to go to the chiropractor, right? No, that's not what you just said. Now, sometimes maybe it could be your spouse, depending on how they sleep and stuff. But anyway, it's not a sickness that requires a trip. <laughs> Danny, you shouldn't have done that in the front row, man. It's not a sickness that requires a trip to the chiropractor, but it's a person that is an annoyance to you. That's exactly what the biblical thorn in the flesh is, Okay. The thorn in the flesh was not an eye disease. It was not a sickness. It was not a disease of any kind. It was a messenger of Satan. When Paul used this language in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, when Paul used this language, he knew exactly what he was saying. There was a persistent enemy, a demon that had harassed his ministry due to the abundance of his revelation. I'm going to spoil the surprise. I'll probably get there later and say this again. But, you know, this is the deal. You need to study to show yourself approved. You need to get in the Word. You need to be a, a minister of the gospel. You need to be doing the things God called you to do. But just get ready. All right? This enemy didn't come from God. It was a messenger of Satan to buffet Paul. 
Paul's thorn in the flesh was a demon bringing people against him in heathen lands where he was preaching the gospel. As you read through the book of Acts, you notice that the devil was stirring up people wherever Paul was preaching to beat him up and bring persecution upon him. Look at this. Acts 13, 49 through 50. Acts 13, 49 through 50. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout the region, but the Jews stirred up with uh, devout and prominent women and chief men of the city raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. They got stirred up because Paul was preaching the gospel and they kicked him out of town. Look at this one. Acts 14.5 And when violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them. I mean, the first group got mad and just ran them out of town. The second group got mad and picked up rocks. Acts 14.19 The Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there and having persuaded the multitudes they stoned paul and dragged him out of the city supposing him to be dead this group got really upset not only did they throw a couple rocks i mean they threw so many rocks they thought paul was dead and dragged him out of town but he had friends that prayed second timothy three eleven. persecutions afflictions which happened to me at antioch and iconium and lystra what persecutions I endured, and out of them all, the Lord delivered me. It wasn't a sickness. It was a demon stirring up people, causing ignorant people to attack Paul for proclaiming the gospel. What was the revelation? We know this. I've taught on this before. The Bible says, we, again, we read Acts, and we read it like it's, a, it's, it's just a, it's a constant. Just, just like we do our Bible. I was talking to a pastor today. I had coffee with a pastor today, and we were sitting there talking about this. And uh, I can't remember exactly. Oh, I made the comment. I talking, he said, well, he said, uh, he said, you taught on Job last week, didn't you? And I said, yeah. He said, you know, I never knew that Job was the oldest book of the Bible. And this, is a, this is a minister, good friend of mine. He knows the word. Okay? He said, but I never knew that Job was the oldest book of the Bible. He said, I, I guess I should have known that. I said, well, let me ask you this. Do you know another book of the Bible where it talks about dinosaurs? He said, no, I don't think I've ever. I said, but Job, go back and look at some of the beasts, that, the Leviathan and some of the stuff that he talks about. Job was pre-flood. Job was pre-flood. He was before Abraham. He didn't have, we talked about this last week. If you weren't here last week, go back and listen to it. He didn't have the covenant. He didn't have, out of his own confession, he didn't have the knowledge of who God was. He even said that. I've heard about you, but I've never, I didn't know you. Now I've seen you with my own eyes. So what's this revelation that Paul had? Paul was caught up in the third heaven. We know that Paul, again, going back to Acts, I lost my train of thought there. Going back to Acts, not chronological. We always go, well, Paul was let down and went out and started preaching. That's what Luke says. That's not how it happened. Paul was let down. Paul went to Arabia. He spent three years in Arabia, Galatians chapter 1. He spent three years in Arabia with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he could write in 1 Corinthians 11, and the Lord told me about the night that he was betrayed. 
How did Paul know about what happened in the upper room? Lest the Lord told him. Paul had revelations. He had knowledge of things, and the enemy knew he's got that knowledge. You think about John on the island of Patmos. It wasn't God that inflicted Job. Matter of fact, it was God that had his hand on John because when John was dropped down into boiling oil and pulled him back up, he said, all right, where's the chicken? Okay, he didn't say that. But anyway, the boiling oil didn't hurt him. So they put him on the island of Patmos and plucked his eyes. God didn't do that. The enemy did that. And yet John still had great revelation. Blinded, and he was still able to write a letter that God said, don't reveal until I tell you to reveal it. So Paul had this revelation. The enemy knew that he had this knowledge. And then what, is it, what was he going to do with that knowledge? Number one, he was going to share it with the Gentiles. Gentiles were going to get saved. It was going to get recorded. And then for the rest of eternity, until Jesus came back, it was going to be available for us. Don't you think the devil wanted to put a stop to that? So he tells Timothy, his son in the faith, persecutions, afflictions, all this stuff that happened to me, all these things that I endured, yet the Lord delivered me from them all. He didn't put sickness upon me. That was not the thorn. So let's go back to 2 Corinthians. Let's back up to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I don't have a slide for this. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's look at verse, start in verse number 22. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 22. Everybody there? When you're there, say I'm there. All right, everybody's there. Verse 22, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with the rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of... Uh, of my own countrymen and perils of the Gentiles and perils of the city and perils of the wilderness and perils of the sea and perils among this brethren in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often in hunger and thirst in fastings often in cold and in nakedness besides other things what becomes upon me daily my deep concern for all the churches who is weak and I'm not weak who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation. See, Paul's talking about, he says, he says that, that, that's his thorn. All these things that Paul had to go through. So then when he gets over to 2 Corinthians, when he keeps on writing the letter, well again, we, we put verses in there. Paul's just writing this letter. He's sharing his thoughts. So there's no verses, no chapters in there. He shares all these things that he's been through. Then we get down to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 and 9. And he says, concerning this thing, what thing? The thorn. I pled with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, I'm not going to do it, Paul. No. He said to me, my grace 
is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So much like any of us, the Apostle Paul got tired of dealing with this demonic presence that stirred up persecution and problems everywhere he went. So then the question becomes, why didn't God respond favorably to Paul's request to remove the thorn, the enemy? Some have tried to say that God was telling Paul, get over it. That's not our God. But that isn't what's being said at all. Paul was asking for God to remove the enemy from his life. And that's something God never promised to do. Let me say that again. Paul was asking God to remove the enemy from his life. But that is something God never promised to do. Look at this. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes were healed. Matthew 8, 17. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. 1 Peter 2, 24. Who himself bore our sins on his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes we're healed. Why do I read these to you? Sin and sickness were nailed to the cross, but not persecution. Sin and sickness were nailed to the cross, but not persecution. I love it when it gets quiet. Sin and sickness were nailed to the cross, but not persecution. God told Paul, Paul said, Lord, could you remember? Let's, let's back up even. This isn't even in my notes. Jesus in the garden. Jesus in the garden. He said, if, if you can take this away from me, but not my will, but I know what needed to take place. See, he, he, even, he even said, he even told Peter, he said, put your sword away. When Peter had cut off the ear of Malchus, he said, put your sword away. He said, if I wanted to, I could call 10,000 legions of angels. I don't need your sword. I have to suffer this. I, have to, I must go through this. When Jesus was praying in the garden, we, this is not exactly what it says, but as he's praying, because he is God, he already knew your grace is sufficient. God responded to Paul, my grace is sufficient. God's grace, God's grace, his unlimited provision and enablement. God's grace, I should have made a slide for this, I didn't, I apologize. God's grace is his unlimited provision and enablement. I'll say it again, God's grace is God's unlimited provision and enablement. Everybody get it? God's grace is His unlimited provision 
and enablement. When he said, my grace is sufficient, he says, you already have all the provision. You're already able to deal with the thorn yourself. Paul was already equipped with the knowledge of the Word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit to handle the situation. But like so many of us, us, like so many of us, we get weary in the daily battle. Now, I, I know one or two in here that I can say, and I'll confess on me, I've been there. I've screamed. I've cried. I've hollered. Why? You know, all these things. I'm frustrated. And I'm going to be honest with you, God's never came back in a big booming voice. Quit complaining. I've never heard that. But every time after I have my pity party, remember, Elijah was the still small voice. As soon as I get done having my pity party, as soon as I get done kicking and screaming, then all of a sudden the peace of God comes in. It passes all understanding. It's his peace that gets us through the trial. He said, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trials. But I've overcome this world. He says, I've given you all the power, all the provision that you need. Paul was unintentionally, and I, I say that, I wish I had another word, but Paul was unintentionally blaming God for the continued buffeting. I know that I can say this. I have probably un and more like mostly blamed God. All right? Now, some of you can sit there holier than that, but I'm just telling you, I'm weak. All right? I have sometimes blamed God. Why are you letting this, you know? Paul was unintentionally blaming God for the continued buffeting. Last week, I spoke about Job. Job intentionally blamed God for his sickness because he was ignorant. Paul was not ignorant. Paul just got off on a rant. I said, Lord, can't you take this from me? Paul blames God, but it's out of frustration. Can I get a witness? So in essence, what God actually was saying to the Apostle Paul is, my sufficiency in all things is enough. You are equipped to deal with this. I have given you authority. My sufficiency and provision are more than enough in your time of need. Have you ever been sharing something, something positive, some good reports, some good news to someone? I'm trying to think how to word this because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a preacher. So I'm always trying to tell people good news. I'm always trying to get people, you know, fired up. I'm always trying to encourage people. You know, that's what we're here to do is encourage and counter-equip. And then, whatever it is that I've been encouraging them and whatever, comes my way. And then I start having one of those issues. And that's when my wife looks at me. She goes, you know, I heard a preacher say one time, you can't go to church with me anymore. 
But many times we need our own advice. We're, we're good at encouraging others, but then when, when the trial hits us, we need to take our own advice. The Apostle Paul is asking God to remove his thorn, and God is saying, you already have the answer. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 9.8. Again, you've got to take chapter and verse out of all this stuff. You've got to just understand the letter. So Paul's complaining in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, Lord, take the thorn. God says, my grace is sufficient. You have all you need, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Paul's sitting there telling the church at Corinth, you have all you need. All sufficiency has been supplied. You have an abundance for every good work. Man, he's encouraging the church at Corinth. He's preaching the house down. And then he gets over and he says, God, take the thorn. He says, take your own advice. It was the Apostle Paul who wrote in Ephesians about the armor of God and quenching the fiery darts of the enemy. Pastor Barry Bennett says, It wasn't that Paul was unequipped to be more than a conqueror. He was simply tired of having to conquer. Sometimes we just get weary in the battle. That's why he said, don't get weary in well-doing. I doubt that too many people today in the church are as big of a nuisance to Satan as the Apostle Paul was. I do not think that very many have a messenger of Satan assigned specifically to them, but we do know this, that a third were cast out of heaven so there's plenty of little demons and I'm not talking about these little things that sit on your shoulder like you watch cartoons I'm just talking about nuisance but much like the apostle Paul we get weary in whatever situation we're dealing with and we want God to make the problem just disappear the answer we all need is the same answer that God gave to the apostle Paul My grace is sufficient. God's abundant provision, strength, and enablement are more than sufficient to meet all of our needs. God's abundant provision, strength, and enablement are more than sufficient to meet all of our needs. Look at this. And I was in my office the other day. I was was getting... I was getting happy. I was getting stirred up. My, my wife was probably sitting out at the desk like, I mean, I was just, I was praying in the Holy Ghost. Check this out. We have the armor of God, the shield of faith, the name of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, a better covenant, all the promises of God, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the mind of Christ, and the keys of the kingdom at our disposal. Woo! Glory! Y'all need to take a picture, write that down, and get that thing memorized. He said, my grace is sufficient. Man, we're equipped to win. We're equipped to win. His grace is sufficient. So quit blaming your thorns 
on God. We have the resources of heaven in order to live victoriously upon the earth. The Apostle Paul was not suffering from sickness. He was suffering from the impact of demonic messengers sent to make his life and his ministry as tough as possible. God had called and equipped Paul to preach the gospel to the nations. This was a threat to the enemy that sought to have him destroyed. And some have tried to say, well, Paul speaks of a physical infirmity in, in Galatians. I'm going to finish with this because I want to prove you, make sure I've covered all the bases. All right, I had my sermon done and I had to go back and add this because I saw this the other day. So Galatians chapter 4. You know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at first. And my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that, if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. So this is where people get that Paul's infirmity, his thorn, was an eye infection. But what you need to understand is this. Paul's writing a letter to those that are in Galatians. And again, when you read the book of Acts, you've got to understand chronologically what's taking place right here. Luke wasn't everywhere that Paul was at. Sometimes we'll see in Acts where he says, and they did, or he did, and then sometimes he'll say, and we did. Sometimes Luke was with, sometimes Luke was without. So remember I shared with you earlier Acts chapter 14, verses 19 and 20. The Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. Derbe is a city in the district of Lyconia, which is part of the Roman province of Galatia. Paul's writing a letter to the church at Galatia. He had just gotten stoned and left for dead. Let me throw a couple hundred rocks at you. And more than likely, I'll probably hit you in the head, maybe in the eye. Paul's thorn was not his eye from the rocks. Paul's thorn was the enemy, not the sickness. Could it be that Paul was struck in the head, maybe in the face? Many would suggest that the stoning was the affliction from which Paul had fully recovered. When we understand the scriptures and we understand redemption, faith can arise in our hearts and the double-mindedness must leave. Okay? When we understand the scriptures, that's why we do this, that's why we teach this, that's why I'm spending time, that's why I'm studying this stuff, so you will get this. Your affliction's not like Job's, and your thorn is not like Paul's. Well, it's not sickness, let me say it that way. So when we understand the scriptures, when we understand redemption, about three weeks ago I think I preached on redemption, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, Galatians 3, 13 and 14. So when we understand the scriptures, when we understand redemption, then faith can arise in our hearts and double-mindedness must leave. 
when we understand the word when we understand his grace is sufficient when we get all this stuff then 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 we we, we can't i think so many times church not you but but others christians right because you guys know this stuff i think so many times we we go through this and instead of reading this for the empowerment for the grace for the sufficiency for for the promises we're trying to read it to find our loophole i talked to a lot of people man they're reading it trying to find the loophole of why they're not getting their healing why they're not you know why i i reminded pastor houston of this when he was in town uh week before last when whenever it was because i remember uh one of these days i'm gonna have him come back and share his whole testimony because i could tell you it's hilarious to hear his perspective and telling you i mean same story but it's just from his point of view i got him out of jail he told you that part eight year sentence send him off to teen challenge he graduated teen challenge he came back home now, kind of like the story in Acts, you would like to think that he came back home, worked for me for two and a half years, and instantly became a preacher. Well, let me tell you the part that he missed. Is that when he graduated Teen Challenge and he came back, there was about three or four months, and he said, you need to hire me. I said, you need to prove yourself. So I got him a job at a furniture store. He didn't like it because he didn't want to do grunt work. He wanted to sit in an air-conditioned office. Because that's what everybody thinks preachers do, right? How many of you think us preachers, we work two days a week and sit in air conditioning all day? Lord Jesus, I wish. So I didn't hire him, so he goes to work at a furniture store. Well, after about four months, he quits the furniture store and he goes to work in the car business. <clears throat> Big no-no. I said, you need to quit and go back to the furniture store. He said, no, this is where I need to be. About four or five months into the car business, I find out some things. He's not calling me every day. He's not checking in with me. He's not showing up to my meetings. He's always making excuses. I'm calling his wife. She's saying, you know, he's getting home late, but, you know, he keeps saying all this stuff. So I pull up to the dealership one day, and he comes walking out. I said, get in. He said, I can't just get in. I said, get in. He said, I can't get in. He said, I just can't jump in with you and take off. He said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go get a demo, tell him I'm taking it for a test drive. He said, I'll meet you the, over at the movie theater. So we go to the movie theater. I need to make this really short. I'm sorry. We go to the movie theater. He gets out of his truck. He gets into my van. I said, I said, you're on drugs. No, I'm not. I said, good. I got a drug test. Let's take it right now. He said, well, I just told you I wasn't on drugs. I said, then take the drug test. He said, why do I, I told you I'm not. I said, take the test and prove to me that you're not on drugs. He said, all right, pastor. He said, I smoked a little pot. I said, well, good. Take the drug test. He said, I just told you I smoked a little pot. I said, then take the drug test. The only thing that's going to show up is a little pot. He said, Pastor, I already told you. I said, then take the drug test. He said, fine. I smoked a little pot and did a little meth. I said, good. Take the drug test. He said, why do I need to take a drug test? I just told you what I did. I said, because you're a liar. He said, I thought you loved me. I said, I do. Pee in the cup. He said, this is your fault. I said, why is it my fault? He said, well, if you'd have hired me, I wouldn't have done this. I said, get out of my van. He said, what? I said, get out of my van. He says, no, we need to talk. I said, no, you need to get out of my van. 
He said, no, listen to me. I got out of my van, walked around, opened up the passenger door. I reached in and grabbed him. He never touched the ground until he hit his truck. Now, I don't look like I'm that big now, but back in the day, and his feet were dangling. He said, you're a preacher. I said, I'm going to pray for you when I'm done. He said, what are you going to do? I said, you can't blame me for what you did. You should have called me and I could have helped you. He said, I don't think you really understand. He said, I don't think you were really ever an addict. He said, because it's not that easy to stop. I said, see, that's the difference between me and you. I said, you're looking for the loophole. I found the answer. And I just left him. I got in my van and I drove off. The next day he called me and said, will you have dinner with my wife? And I said, absolutely. So I went and I met with him and Miss Lanham. She said, Pastor, what do we need to do? I said, whip them. But I said, that's not going to help them. I said, so we need to send them back. So he goes back to Teen Challenge the second time. They said, they said come back for six months. He ended up staying for eight because it was his choice. He got done with his eight months. We ended up going to court. Still had to end up doing a year in jail because he violated his probation. While he was in jail, my phone rang off the hook because that brother got a hold of it. And he was in the jail leading people to Jesus like crazy. People getting filled with the Holy Ghost. They were baptizing him in a horse trough. He finally got out of jail, and I picked him up. The whole time he's in jail, I'm writing him letters. I'm going to visit him. I'm hanging out with Miss Lana, taking care of Miss Gracie. Me and Miss Sheridan are loving on her. He gets out of jail. He says, what do you want me to do? I said, I got you a job in a factory. He said, whatever you say, Pastor. He called me every single day, heading to work, leaving work doing this on the weekend every day after about four months i called his boss good friend of mine i helped him get a job called him i said hey pat i need to ask you to do me a favor he said man i knew this day was coming i said what day did you know he said you're going to hire houston take him away from me aren't you i said yeah i needed him to prove himself he said brother he's he's done it he's working in the warehouse and he's got everybody back there preaching jesus and i hired him and he worked for me for two and a half years don't look for the loophole. Jesus is the answer. My grace is sufficient. So, you ever heard that question, that statement? You want the good news or the bad news first? You ever heard that? Let me give you the bad news first. That way I can send you out of here in a good mood. So the bad news. Second mm, Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. says all make sure I'm in the right place because Miss Julie didn't put the scripture up there for me she, I didn't know I, didn't, I just wanted to make sure I gave you the right one 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12 uh, I tried all over my Bible my pages are stuck together 2 Timothy 3 12 yes okay I did have the right one okay Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I wanted that up on the screen because I wanted to show it to you. Everybody got it? Everybody highlight that in your Bible. Everybody got that, right? All who live, desire to live godly. How many of you desire to live godly? Everybody, every hand in here ought to put it. I desire to live godly, Pastor. You'll suffer persecution. Thorn in the flesh. Now I'm going to give you the good news. Send you out here blessed. The good news. 
the good news. The gospel is that God wants us born again and healthy. So he sent Jesus, the word in flesh, to save and to heal. Say this, say, I am healed in Jesus' name. Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. His grace is sufficient. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast of Life Church. If you are looking for a home church, please visit us at 100 Todd Road in Perry, Georgia, or check out our website at lifechurchga.com.